This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. You have uh, found yourself at episode number 134, which wow. every time I say it, I keep going, wow, I can't believe we've done 134 of these things. So we're uh, getting into our third year here. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> with me as always, uh, my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going, Joe? It's going okay. It's going okay. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah. It seems yeah. like we were just talking about on the air, or off the air, um... That it just kind of seems like I've, you know, we finally like settled into like it's really like Groundhog's Day here. It's like every day is like wake up, do the same stuff, and go back to sleep. And I, I can't believe like it's 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 actually starting to mess with my head. Like as it gets closer to like March when everything first kind of like closed down last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. That it's like been a year of this. And anyway, yeah. So. Oh yeah, I, I getting the gripes out of the way here, but yeah, it's it's, I, it's just, been strange like finding trying to be i don't know i I think like a lot of people uh i function really well when there's like some kind of a set schedule even if it's one i just make up for myself because it's there's just some order to things i i i find comfort in that i guess to get touchy-feely but um the problem is it's hard to keep one right and it has been for about a year uh if you've got kids that are going to school or if you know you're going you know to work so like working from home and the kids going to school on certain days and not others trying to get into a routine and I, I feel like we're gonna getting back into one here soon which i'm grateful for um yeah but yeah the, the the so far this 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 year this month which is wow flying past really really fast has uh, been very hard to keep one so i'm hoping soon i'll i'll feel more in a groove right it's but you're right it's kind of this weird uh groundhog's day thing when every day is just kind of bleeding into the next it's kind of strange right so i think the differentiation i have right now is like because of like the schedule of what like mornings i wake up and exercise and then mornings that i don't like that's my difference <laughs> like yeah there's the day i sleep an hour more than i do than the other day it's like well right. if my kids don't wake me up so <laughs> but today was strange i was up super late last night just vegging out and watching tv and my wife woke me up this morning at about seven. She was getting ready to go to work, and I said, "Oh, I should get up and move my truck out of the way, so because it's like a single driveway, single car driveway." So like I was behind her, so I would have to move my truck. And she's like, "You know what? I, I'm, I think I'm just going to work from home now that I think about it." And I went, "Oh, okay." And I went back to sleep, and then woke up at like quarter to twelve. Wow. Yeah. And so now my sleep schedule is really jacked up. So we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully by next time we record this, I'll be on, back a, on the normal. I'll be back on a normal one and not like <laughs> I just woke up twenty minutes ago or something like that at ten o'clock at night. Hopefully right. not that, but you know the, the but I, I uh, just staying up late watching movies and watching TV and I don't know. It's kind of nice to just have the the alone time every now and then. So yeah, I mean that's really when you know the only time I get any time to do watch movies or read or whatever it's you either got to do it early in the morning or late at night or we still have an hour like my kids quit napping but they're we still have like an hour of time i could talk them into like going and doing quiet time it's now become kind of like time to be on their tablets which i'm a little like regretful of but at the same time i'm still like yeah i'll take the hour of free time Uh, and let them do that so (laughs) yeah so that's like that's that's my time like those like kind of like three hour long periods of the day and that's it so got it got to you know take advantage when you can so well hopefully your uh you know sleep schedule will uh, mutate back into something uh, normal by the end of uh that's a pretty weak one but anyway that's supposed to be a segue into uh the movie that we watched for to discuss this evening and that is the 1980 uh roger corman production humanoids from the deep otherwise known as monster in europe and japan 
from the deep. A tidal wave of rampaging creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. It's enough to scare the hell out of me. Soon the world will awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species and woman the ultimate prize. Anywhere you run, any place you hide, any time you stop, they will find you. McClure, Anta Kell, Vic Morrow. Humanoids from the deep. Had you seen this one before? I had never seen this. This was the first time, so it's one yeah. that I've known by reputation, and I think a lot of people do. Like, it's kind of got that, uh, when you, you know, bring up kind of sleazy B exploitation horror films or whatever this is one that always is pretty close to the top of the list of you know that lives in infamy in a lot of ways so um we'll, we'll certainly get to why that is um but for now it was uh produced by roger corman um directed by barbara peters and then eventually direct uh, other scenes shot by uh jimmy murakami and um Let's see. Screenplay by Frederick James, based on a story by Frank Arnold and Martin Cohen. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting one. <laughs> it certainly lives up to its reputation in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get to a quick synopsis of this. It's a this is a super brief one, but pretty much covers the bases. A fisherman played by Doug Mc. McClure and a scientist played by Ann Turkle fight back when mossy sea monsters rise from the deep to assault women. So, like, yeah, did they that just say assault. It it's not even like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, straight up, that's what it is. But I like that there's no there's no flowery language there. Just yeah, yeah to assault women, like they kill men and have their way with yeah. with women in very uncomfortable scenes. Yeah, this is like if the romantic aspect of Creature from the Black Lagoon like went to the nth degree, right? Like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't even even use the word romance in any connection of, of anything that's going on in this film. But, air but, quotes, yeah. Those are yeah. those are podcast <laughs> air quotes for romance, by the way, folks. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, you know, this is one where honestly, I didn't even know it by reputation. I knew it of I've seen the the box at the video store. I know the mm-hmm. name. And I know it's a Roger Corman production. And that's it. Yep. So my my desire to see Humanoids from the Deep, like last week when you mentioned we're going to be watching this, and I went, yes! That was because, oh, that's a movie I've always wanted to see because I saw it at the video store and just never got around to renting it. And yep. wow, do I not stand by my previous uh, comments. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, it here's the here's the good thing about humanoids from the deep. If you are familiar with it by reputation and kind of the stuff we were is is it does not let you down. It is every bit as like awful and um, irreverent and exploitationy and all of those things. It's it's all there. This is a great example of exactly what we said. Like just kind of a sleazy bottom of the barrel um, exploitation monster horror film it's got kind of the basic plot structure of a 1950s you know um horror movie you know the teen the teens get attacked by the monsters from the deep kind of thing in fact they uh said this is essentially it's not considered to be a remake but is pretty much the same movie as the 
1964 film, which is also a, a cult classic horror, the horror of Party Beach, which had a, you know a bunch of similar like gill monsters from the deep come and you know rip up teenagers or you know kill teenagers or whatever. I'm pretty sure they weren't as strong on the rape aspect in 64, but that uh you know that was the modernization, I suppose. But yeah, heavily uh, implied. But you know yeah. that's something too that it, this. I was noticing that in like the credits for this and and you know all these other kind of Gilman type movies with the honestly with the exception of Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, mm-hmm. they all seem to kind of leave out H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, it's funny because that's, and I know I'm one who always brings up Lovecraft you know, on the show, but you know, <laughs> hello, Shadow over Innsmouth. That mm-hmm. has m- I mean, a lot of the same elements as this. The fish especially. people thing is so you know ingrained in his like in his fiction and pops up in you know multiple stories. I'm breeding with humans. It's weird that it's never yeah, and that it's never kind of it's never been more explicit. Like I certainly the the ideas or the the seeds of this idea that even became this movie. You know, I don't want to say he's the only one that ever came up with it, but I would be very hard pressed to believe that that doesn't lead back to Lovecraft somewhere. Because that's, yeah. you know, even just, yeah, especially the the want of the monsters or the gill creatures to, like, proliferate with human beings, and to, to put it very nicely and scientifically. But um, I feel like that's got to go back. Calling this movie Lovecraftian would be hugely misleading. But It would, yes. That, yes. Is, that is definitely something that's there as a subtext. Like, I feel like, especially being the people that, you know, that made this movie, especially, like, right back to Roger Corman, uh, being a fan of classic horror fiction, um, he's certainly aware of that. Um, there's no way he's not aware that that you know of that influence. So it might even help to put kind of push this movie forward. Yeah, uh, um, I, I there's I mean there were other films that came out. This came out in what eighty one eighty. Yeah, eighty nineteen eighty was the yep, and it came out in I think it was eighty. Can't remember the way it goes. It came out in the U.S. first in a like edited version uh, called Humanoids from the Deep. Uh, came out in Europe the year after in a uncensored version, which is known as Monster. So therefore, if you guys are checking this out for free on Tubi, you are actually seeing the uncut special edition of this. Because so you will see the title card that says Monster in quotes humanoids from the deep underneath so don't know why they changed the title for the european and japanese release but that is the best or most complete version of the film okay. if you are watching it on tubi so that that kind of threw me off when i first saw it and then or like get first popped up and obviously it, it does say humanoids from the deep underneath but i'm like i wonder what kind what kind of a print of this film this is like why did we get the retitled version did a little bit of research on that and yes the, the monster one is the most complete version of the movie so okay. uh, they went and they they tweaked some stuff in the America the U.S. theatrical release. They actually, of course, because you know, God bless America, they actually cut out some of the violence from the film. Oh, really? Uh, as in, as in, like the gore effects. They left all the rapey stuff in and the nudity and that, but the the they cut cut out some of the you know disgusting gore. We wouldn't want to traumatize anybody. But um, true, true. And I, I mean, there's <laughs> this isn't. You know, at first I thought, oh, this movie is going to be you know, kind of your typical Corman schlock horror stuff. It's you know going to be a mm-hmm. lot of implied bad suits and stuff, but you know bad monster suits, but nothing in the terms of gore. And I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, actually, they it's it it's pretty. Uh, they got some good, great gore effects in it. Um, before we jump into like a lot of that stuff, I want to get something out of the way, just the, the same way that this movie did. Um, and like jump into or the same way this movie did let's let's get you know get through the like story aspect of it in like three seconds here and uh move on to the good stuff but so this movie kind of masquerades as you know pretending to have a um plot and that being that there is a group of fishermen who are trying to basically lobby for the favor of a canning company called Canco to come into their um, community and put in their big canning facility. Uh, Canco also is the um, patent owner on a new technology of uh, scientific technology that will that they're promising will will 
caused like a giant pl proliferation of salmon and and they would have you know not only are they going to put the canning company here but the amount of salmon in your waters are going to double and all this stuff so the fishermen especially the you know uh successful like white big boat fishermen are all on board for for this and then there is a contingent of native uh american people that are against the canning company coming in uh, to what are their ancestral lands and the plot is uh, very undeveloped besides the fact that it, it put it pits uh, Vic Morrow's Hank Slattery and Anthony Pena's Johnny Eagle against one another. They kind of become the mouthpieces uh, with Doug McClure's Jim Hill kind of being the peacekeeper between the two because he's buddies with both of them. And he kind of gets to be the good, you know, the good white man who's uh, there's the bad white guy. There's the good white guy who's going to, you know, smooth everything out and save the day. And then there's, you know, Johnny, who's like the the nice minority character but you know i don't know anyway. a little hot-headed because he's passionate you know that's right but yeah. oh my god is that a great fight scene though oh yeah there's a good fight between yeah between well basically it's a bar fight that spills out into in front of the bar between johnny eagle and, and hank um but yeah i, I like the that you know the way that jim kind of gets in involved in it and uh but anyway this is all extremely second fiddle to like everything else that's going on in the movie and it <laughs> by the third act we've totally forgotten about this plot this subplot yeah and everybody is just kind of uh you know mm -hmm. trying to fight off the gill creatures and whatever they, they try to throw a hook like, to it later and that's no pun intended um <laughs> you know where where hank and johnny have to reconcile for a moment you know like saving each other's lives kind of yep. thing yep. you know that's kind of nice but they don't do anything with it beyond that it's it's you have there's really no I mean, if there's a lesson to be learned here is you can have some serious racist issues and some you know serious issues with you know the economy and the environment but when when the fishmen come to rape you know the women in your village you got to put that shit aside right and yeah. that's not as much we, of a message <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it almost kind of rings as like yeah you know you all got your little petty petty squabbles but you know there's bigger issues in the world there's, there's bigger, bigger fish to fry, fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but yeah so that's generally what the plot of the movie is and then it, you know while this kind of stuff's going on there's scenes of you know these two factions of people kind of boiling up the uh canco scientist played by um ann turkle as dr susan drake um becomes a fairly prominent character in the film because she and Jim Hill go out and try to figure out, you know, what's going on, who's murdering these these teenagers. And um, when they do find out that it's, you know, these creatures, like where did they come from and how are they? And then, you know, finally Dr. Drake kind of spills her guts about the Canco secret and the, you know, proliferation of fish. So I did want to get your take on, mm -hmm. <laughs> real quickly, but the uh, scientific explanation that we get for uh, scientific... Speaking of air quotes, that's that's definitely um, in the... Honestly, like, oh, I mean, obviously it's all horseshit, but <laughs> I, I don't know. When it comes to these schlocky-style horror films that that try to go into some kind of a scientific thing, I, I have a, I have a, a fluctuating bar... <laughs> You know, because yeah. um, there's some movies where it's like we're going to try to be really scientific and we're just going to throw a bunch of random actual science words into something. And that pisses me off because that's like <laughs> you looked this up and then, you know, you didn't do anything with it. Um, mm -hmm. You just looked up Greek sounding words or Latin sounding words. This one, it makes no fucking sense scientifically, but at least they, they knew when to pull back the reins. They were like, ah, it's gene X or whatever. And it caused these organisms to evolve. And it's like, okay, well, that's not how evolution works, but okay, fine. You know? Yeah. Sure. Whatever. I mean, movies I okay like these always kind of make those <laughs> those jumps to... You know, oh yeah, we understand what evolution is. It works like this. These... I guess I'm okay with it as long as they don't try to over-explain it. It's like be as vague as possible, and I'm okay. Like, okay, there's some shit we don't know about. Whatever, I can I can suspend the disbelief. But you know, like I I don't know. I could I could pick on one of the Jurassic 
world films really bad right now uh, for doing things like that. Like, we're just going to throw words at something and, and that's going to mean something. No, it doesn't. I mean, you picked words that are used in science, but that doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, in this case, they used, in my opinion, just enough to, you no, know, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, it's like Star Trek. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, uh, you you guys, it was a tip of the hat to like, we know we could do better, but we decided to stop here. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. (laughs) Right. Like, you're not here to hear this anyway. So I guess that's what it is. It's like, don't insult people's intelligence and just go from there. Yeah. So I was okay with it. It, It's ridiculous. It's stupid. But honestly, I, I actually thought that despite that, the whole concept about, you know, genetically modifying fish and then bad things happen okay not like this and i'm by the way i'm not a pro-gmo anti-gmo i'm I'm not anti-gmo i'm not pro-organic or whatever uh scientifically i'm i don't think that shit really makes a lot of difference one way or the other um Mm -hmm. you know if you don't like gmos then stop eating broccoli cauliflower and a bunch of other things um, Fresh vegetables, essentially. Yeah, essentially, you don't ever eat a banana again, you know, yeah. and, and go ahead and kill your pets. But, um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, unless you have a purebred wolf, go ahead. Um, so, no, I'm not against that kind of stuff. But I do understand that the, the fish farming industry ha- is not perfect, you know. Yeah. So I, I just I wanted to make a comment about this. It's just... Um, the, this isn't the fear that people have, obviously, with fish farming. At least I hope not. No. No genetically genetic stuff they do to fish people is going to create humanoids from the deep. But um, should you only buy store-bought salmon? Should you only buy wild-caught salmon? I'd mix it up because both industries have their pros and cons. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I understand there are issues with these types of industries. So I, I actually applaud this movie for bringing to light some of the, hey, maybe we should question aquaculture. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And Fair enough. I, I got that message it. loud right. and clear. I thought that it had been done a little better by another Corman production a few years earlier, and that's uh, Piranha. Yeah. Um, essentially... This movie and that movie are the same movie. They just have, you know, killer eating f- or killer fish eating people and we have humanoids raping women in this uh, in this movie, but when it comes down to like the way the plot works and the way, you know, and, and even down to like what what was going on, like we genetically altered fish and then this happened. It's piranha all over again. Right. Which again, I, I'm not not really complaining. I'm just kind of pointing it out like I I'm, I'm aware even piranha wasn't the first movie to have this kind of structure but um, but you know what it is it, this is typical of corman in well let's have a horror movie and well why are we focusing on aquatic or fish because you got to have women in bikinis <laughs> right i mean yeah there's always that so um or less and that <laughs> i was gonna say and that so that leads us nicely into the next thing i wanted to bring up and that that this movie was um like we like we brought at the beginning of the show is kind of infamous for its uh kind of dependent uh, uh, narrative dependence on rape as the like the thing that you know the, these creatures come out of the deep they kill any man they run into and they rape all the women um that they run into and of course because it's you know what it is it, it's fairly graphically displayed and in, in, in mm-hmm. graphic may not be the right word because it's not a like very realistic depiction of of rape uh, to the point where you're, I don't know, I'm hesitating, because I, I was just about to say to the point where you'd be uncomfortable, but obviously if anyone's ever been, you know, had any kind of, like, this is a really, like, touchy thing to make a movie about, like, to mm-hmm. make light of in a movie. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to make too much light of it, and I, and I do admit, like, from especially from a modern standpoint, but even in 1980, this was turning heads. Like, you know, like, even people that were, like, big time into, like, making exploitation movies and stuff were kind of like, oh, well, okay, that went to the nth degree there and um so there's a lot of controversy around this movie being made and that's because uh a film director named barbara peters was hired to do the film um roger corman and she sat down and had meetings beforehand obviously like you do when putting in pre-production 
And when she was hired, uh, they were under the understanding of what they were making. And that, um, you know, he, he, he was very staunch about it having to, you know, really have something to say about the fishing industry. Like, that that all came from Corman as well. But he also said that there had to be a very strong um, exploitation element of it. You know, he wanted the, the, the nudity and the uh, violence and, you know, all that. So that's one of the things that they were, you know at that point that New World Pictures was doing. That's the kind of movies they were making. They were having a lot of success with what they were doing. And, um, you know, so. Mm -hmm. um, So when Barbara Peters brought her cut of the film or turned in her cut of the film, Roger Corman was very upset with her and she was removed or essentially fired. I guess when you finished a film, you can't really be fired. Your work is done. But uh, he hired... um, another director named Jimmy Murakame to go back and kind of reshoot some of the stuff because apparently, um, I don't know, most likely because she's a female filmmaker went in a, first of all, in a world that that's very uncommon still. And, um, also, you know, in a kind of corner of the industry where I think it's even less, you know, more, more like exploitation, 42nd street kind of, uh, adulty type films um it's even i think less common to see a, a female director and she's having to deal with some pretty extreme subject material and um so apparently she turned in a, a cut of the film that he, roger corman was totally fine with the way that the murders went so the, the murders of males but didn't uh she had shot all of the rape scenes in the dark and cutaways and didn't really do anything with uh and he was pretty um, upset about the fact that he was he felt like he was explicit in saying that, you know, they wanted to have, you know, plentiful nudity. <laughs> and uh, so they went back and shot them in a more, um, I guess what I would call an exploitation-y way. It, it's very... It's very unrealistic. It's very much like, oh, all the clothing just kind of rips off of everybody. Um, the monsters are kind of great, and we'll get to that next, but... Um, I guess there's a super long diatribe, mm-hmm. but I guess like, I was just really curious, like what was your reaction to like all of this stuff going on? There's this huge controversy uh, surrounding, I guess I'll finish the story, but when um, he, uh, when they finished the film and it came out, uh, Barbara Peters, and then even some of the cast of the film, um, including Ann Turkle, who played Dr. Susan mm-hmm. Drake in the movie, um, came out against it and and were very vocal about it being, you know, this is not the movie that we thought we were making. And, you know, they, they sexed it up and made light of the rape. Um, you know, we, we knew it was there in the script, but, the, but what they did with it, instead of making it horrific, they made it, you know, exploitation. They made it, you know, all about the, the boobs and the, <laughs> you know, the... Um, the nudity and um so yeah i think that's that exact uh thing that happened afterwards and then like the the people involved in making it kind of having that reaction to the finished cut of the film is what made this film infamous honestly like it or not their reaction is why people still watch this movie to this day because it's supposed to be so terrible and have this like you know kind of it's got this like thing hanging over it of, you know, this is the movie that it, it's the monster rape movie, right? It's the Gilman rape movie. And um, it yeah. certainly is. <laughs> and I, you know, I think my, my reaction to that is you can definitely tell there have been some, there was some editing done. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not edited well together to begin with, but I could totally see how some of the cast and, and, and the original director were, were upset about, Barbara Peters was upset about this. Um, the uh because you can kind of tell like she was aiming for something else and then it went through an editing shredder and all these things were put in there (laughs) um and honestly i'm not really sure (laughs) i'm about to say a sentence that automatically if you if you're aware of all the words and their meaning doesn't make any sense i don't know what roger corman was thinking uh (laughs) you know (laughs) He was but, thinking he's gonna make money. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, it it honestly, again, I wasn't aware of the controversy. The only thing I knew about this movie was the title, which sounds batshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, before watching it, I didn't even know it was about like gillmen type creatures. I they could have just been some monsters from the water. I had no idea. Um, 
And I think it's because the original poster box cover looked very different than what you get. But, yeah. you know, go back to what the hell was Corman thinking? Look, Last House on the Left came out in 1972, which wasn't explicit with rape. It was, it was pretty friggin' obvious. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it wasn't, you know, um, it was implied pretty, pretty strong. Um, yeah. you know, and you know, that was, let's see here, the, uh, and then in 1977, you get the Hills Have Eyes, which the original, you know, Hills Have Eyes had rapes, which is very similar to Last House on the Left, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. They, thematically, scenes, they're very Thematically similar. very similar, and yeah, the rape scenes are gratuitous, and they are shocking. They but yeah, shocking they're played they totally differently. Out. They're, you know. You know, in both cases, they're shocking. And then when you even get to 1978, I spit in your grave. I'm just kind of going over the use of, of God, what a wonderful topic, the use of rape yeah. in horror films in the 70s, right? Right. These are well, three and I spit movies. on your grave. We talked about, I know, a while back, the, the rape revenge genre, like right. some genre of films. And that's supposed to be like kind of the the first that is like the... That's supposed to be like the epitome, I think, of that. Because we, we, I guess it was when we did our show on Ms. Forty Five, we were talking about that, and um, right. So I spit on your grave is like kind of the starting point of that whole becoming a subgenre all in its own, which is interesting. Well, you know, the fact that you got Ms. Forty Five coming out in eighty one, which rape is shown in that movie to be a, an absolutely horrible thing. So yeah. I, I guess I'm bringing all these up. I want to make it clear. I'm bringing these up to show. Even in 1972, implications of rape were shocking in film. And it was controversial. And it was controversial in 77. It was controversial in 78. It was controversial in 81. Why in 1979 to 80, Roger Corman thought, no, this movie needs more rape? I do not understand. Or I I don't even get the picture that it had less rape in it it was the way that it was handled like they handled the rape aspect of it in the original cut of the film or at least it sounds like i mean no one's seen that um cut of the film but um it sounds like they were handling it more in a horror movie kind of way like it was um you know they she could from what roger corman said about it is she shot it all in shadow and and cut away from you know most of the actual event and so it sounds to me like she shot it like a horror film, like it was something mm-hmm. that, you know, something horrific was happening to people. And, and the rape was implied there, especially because it's right in the dialogue in the, of the film of what's going on. There obviously you have the one girl that becomes pregnant with the mm-hmm. uh, gill child or whatever you call it, the monster child. Um, so it was all implied there. Like there is no reason the movie had to have, you know, explicit rape scenes. Um, and then on top of that, to to play them for fun, yeah, I think is the thing that like is even more unsettling because obviously it's I mean, let's 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 be honest. There's a certain type of cinema and exploitation where yes, the you know the the bouncing boobs and the 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 nudity and all the, the stuff you know that you know essentially you're appealing to the like 15 year old boy in in you know, film fans that like these sorts of movies. Um, that stuff's all there for fun, right? I mean, it, it's part of the fun and charm of one of these kind of movies, as trashy as that, you know, as that is. And especially in modern context, it starts to feel a little bit, like, off. But I think in 1980, this was still definitely something that was part of an entertainment. But to tie that into, like, rape and not just, like, a, not just like a sexual scene and um, starts to, like, push it to the point where it starts to become... I, like it starts to detract from the fun of the film, and, and like it's it's because yeah. this is a really fun movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, we're talking about like what you know the controversy of it, but it's it's got great monsters. It's got some great special effects. It's got a bunch of silly, just you know, nonsense going on, and, and um, really, it's all about the great monsters. I'll bring it up a second time, but but no, I think there's I this agree. aspect of it that's like I I just can't get yeah. over it because it, it's, it's just it's, so. It's the... It's the yeah. difference between trash and garbage in some ways, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you can have a trashy movie, but it's got some redeeming qualities. And then you just have a garbage film. And I'm not saying this is one of them. I'm saying he's playing fast and loose with a topic that could very easily... 
I mean, you mentioned the effects. It's a good thing the effects were good, because while mm-hmm. it doesn't mask how uncomfortable some of those shots were that he added in, at least it's something else to focus on. And that doesn't sound good coming out of my mouth. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, but, and the thing yeah. is, it's like, I feel like it, even even myself, like, watching the movie, like, it's these cool, like, cool kind of funny, funky-looking monsters that Rob Boutain did the... Yeah. Uh, the effects for i mean they're great like i mean they they look hammy you can tell it's low budget but they're great monsters great design oh, you, you can see some seams um, burst open on the suits in a few scenes but you don't care because it's craziness right. going on um but it's these you know monsters attacking people and there's these cool you know it's, they're generally cool like horror monster attacking girl or you know teenager scenes but when you add that context to it, like, it, this is something that would be funny. Like, I'm laughing at this stuff, but then at the same time, I'm like, ah, like, it's just not, I don't know, something about it just, and I'm trying, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to look at this, like, not be, like, an apology, or not take it too much into, like, you know, I know this movie wasn't made in 2020 or 2021. Um, it's, it's a product of its time. It's also an exploitation movie. Like it's totally just a sleazy kind of monster movie, gory, you know, it, it exists to be fun and that's it. Fun and funny. And just, um, so yeah, it's, it's still, like I said, I, I, I guess I can't get over. Like, I don't know why they thought it needed that extra. I mean, I, I guess I do know why, but like, don't build rape in as your horrific element of a film. And then be like, oh, well, it's too serious. I don't like the way it's handled. Let's go back and make the rape fun. <laughs> like, exactly. Because uh, that just really, like, skews it. Like, it makes it to the point where it's hard to enjoy because it's it's generally an enjoyable monster movie. But you can't. I, I don't think you can get through this thing if you're, you know, a semi-conscious per, conscious person um, or, or of any conscience at all. Um without feeling kind of yeah i don't know yucky guilty something about like yeah um, by the end of it so that that's gonna really hurt you know what it when i end up grading this thing like it's that that hurts it a lot for me it 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 does and i think you know with this you know i mentioned the lovecraft thing at the beginning about you know like you know these fish-like creatures breeding with humans um you know that was implied in 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 Shadow over Innsmouth, especially in, in Lovecraft's work, and which was downright horrific. It wasn't hammy. It wasn't amusing. It was fucked up. It was grotesque. Um, and it's almost like we've come full circle where this movie came out in 1980, and they were trying to make it fun. But it's like, no, we're back to it's not fun at all. That's messed up. And it yeah. really, I, I think it's always been that way, but people were more forgiving. I think if this movie were to come out today, it'd be burned. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, which, you know, and, and I'm not going to say, which is a shame because the effects are good. No, the effects are, are interesting in it, um, and the suits are cool, but unfortunately they're in, in a movie that really got mishandled from the very beginning. Yeah. It's just such a weird choice like yeah and i've said it a hundred times now i don't need to keep saying it but um, otherwise like the gore effects and the creature effects are shocking in a way that if you're into (laughs) gore this is there are some scenes in this where it's like oh that guy got slashed across the face and then they show it in detail you're like good god (laughs) (laughs) yeah and actually like it it's it's kind of it's very fair about the way that it beats up it's uh the monsters actually i get inflicted with more damage than possibly any of their victims like especially in the end scene at the festival of course because it's you know it's one of those movies every movie after jaws or piranha or everything they always have to you know monsters are invading oh well we can't cancel the town festival that's going on of course exactly um yeah so the humanoids eventually you know attack the town festival which is honestly i would say if you're gonna watch humanoids from the deep Start Humanoids from the Deep at about, I think it's, it runs about 84 minutes. Start it at about 70 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> and just watch this movie. You don't get any of the other crap. That's fine. Just, they're humanoids. They, they you know, got genetically altered fish into the water, and they, you know, grew these, these Gillman-type creatures. But just check out that bit of it. 
because that's totally worth it. Then you don't have to have this like you know weird kind of conflict, you know, inner conflict with the rest of the movie. Um, but yeah, but like we mentioned earlier, uh, Rob Boutain of of the Thing and Howling fame mm-hmm. made the monster of did the monster effects for this and the gore effects for this. Um, what did you think of the monsters? Like we I know we talked about some other famous Gilman creatures early on, but how do these how do these compare and are they interesting or? I thought they were very interesting because there's they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. You've got some that have abnormally long arms where they're almost frog-like. Yep. Um, I thought those were the creepiest ones with the super like long arms. Yeah. That, uh, uh, and yeah. then there were some that were a little more like weird mutated fish, and it just um, overall, I when, when it's weird though because the first few scenes where there's like shots of the creatures, they really look terrible. Yeah. Like they yep. look like just a guy in like a green snowmobile suit with some moss thrown on him they look bad and then yeah i wonder if those were scenes that got reshot by that second director but i don't know yeah because they look pretty bad but then you start getting into like some of the better shots and yeah these things are actually pretty pretty well designed monsters yeah, and by that end scene, I mean, you do. You see variations. There's multiple different kinds of these monsters, and they're, um, it doesn't do, like, the uh, thing where, um, where like, it hides the monster in the darkness the whole time. Like, they, they do a good job of, like, kind of giving you hints and bits and pieces at, throughout the movie, but it, uh, it's a lot of fun because they come out and they're they're there in all of their glory so i feel like and i don't know i don't know the, the whole story from behind the scenes but i feel like those early scenes since most of the scenes with the creatures are those like more gratuitous reshot scenes mm-hmm. i feel like maybe the special effects team didn't come back and they were just like oh just throw that guy in a green suit and throw, put some seaweed and a mask on him um so the first few times you see the creatures they, they look pretty poor which actually ends up helping the movie later because you you see the creatures and you're like oh they're not they don't the creatures don't suck they're actually pretty awesome yeah um yeah so so yeah overall i liked the effects um i mean the the story was pretty lame the characters were eh. there's like a whole side plot that doesn't do anything <laughs> but i agree watch it for the last few minutes to get the creature effects and some of the gore if that's what you're into and you've seen enough right yeah yeah i actually think that 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 payoff or the ending of it is uh is worth it's worth your time so and especially since it's free like on tubi you can you know just if you're if you're put off by anything that we say and honestly you you probably should be um you know, unless you just want to see what this kind of a train wreck looks like, um, maybe just watch the final twenty minutes. It's like you're you're honestly not missing a whole lot. You're uh, you're going to see all the best stuff. <laughs> honestly, like, and and this is kind of showing my hand a bit as we get ready for grading here. But I really think this is one you could just you YouTube it and watch the party, the the festival scene yeah, or whatever, yeah. and and that I think would be sufficient. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unless you're unless you're literally want to analyze, you know, or or see this, see what it looks like when a uh, film actually does glorify rape, because I feel like that's something people say about movies. Like, rape's tough, right? It's it's and gosh, that sounds terrible. But like, I'm not talking about the act. Uh, like, <laughs> not, it's rough. I I would I have no questions anymore why Joe Dante didn't want to direct this one. So yeah, yeah. Now, have you seen the remake? I haven't. I, I I know it exists. Mm-hmm. In 1996, they remade. I think it was remade for TV, so it's probably a little bit tamer for sure. I'm kind of scared um, to go look. Yeah, remake of Humanoids produced by Showtime. Okay, it was for TV. It was for cable though, so it wouldn't have to have necessarily been. Uh, also produced by Roger Corman uh, yeah. at when he was at Concord or when he was doing Concord New Horizons. Um, Starring Robert Carradine, Emma, Emma, Emma Sams, Justin Walker, Mark, Mark Rolston, and of course our national treasure, Clint Howard. So, Well, you know, the fact that it was a made-for-TV movie for Showtime in 1996 says a lot mm. right there. Yeah. You I might, didn't even realize there was well a remake until I was a made-for-TV sci-fi movie in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so I bet it, I bet it you know, I, 
I bet it reels back the the kind of yuck factor of it a little bit, but I bet it's not a good movie. So yeah. <laughs> but anyway, maybe I'll see it someday. Probably not. Do you have any final thoughts for this one or grades? Um. Yes, I do have a grade. Um. Okay, so I guess this movie is awful in so many ways. Just conceptually, it just is. I think from the get-go, it was just misinformed. Like, it was just why you wanted to push the envelope on, on that. And it's not that rape is depicted in a movie, because I know, it, like, there's a... Obviously, it's a very, very fine line of how do you depict that and be, you know, kind of sensitive, knowing that there's people out there that might see this film that have, you know, a, a, have experience of sexual assault or whatever in their life, or anything even remotely similar, Um that might make them uncomfortable uh how do you how do you approach something like that first of all like what, what makes you decide like is it necessary to the story because there's some stories i guess that it is but um this was not one of them <laughs> you know a silly like monster movie didn't have to go there and when it even if it did go there like it didn't have to like go there you know like it was um yeah anyway so yeah, it's it's a bad movie and it's bad just because it's bad conceptually. It's actually a fun movie if you could just like turn off your conscience for a minute, I guess. But the creatures are fun and like there's some great special effects and like it's got this hammy like piranha like creatures attack the town festival thing and it's a lot of fun. Um I agree with Joe like YouTube that the last 20 minutes of the film you won't get any of the like kind of you know questionable stuff um yeah you definitely won't have any of the blatant racism early on too yeah yeah that too but we didn't even get to that well i guess we did early on a little bit but um oh yeah well hey, i'm not trying to sell this one necessarily no. like I, this is one i think you you could be safe skipping like this is about as bad and trashy of a movie as you can get but still not but still not like okay those are two things, like bad, trashy movies. Those are like, that's like right in my wheelhouse. Like, I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a fun movie. But this one's not really because it just like, yeah, you just can't make fun of rape. It just doesn't really work in any way. Like, you, you can't make that funny. Like, there's nothing about it that can make that light and jovial and monster movie fodder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, the second you make it a realistic depiction of rape, it's just it, it, you have to put some weight on that and this movie doesn't have that kind of weight so anyway it's it's fundamentally flawed and i can't uh really get over that even though there's a lot of aspects of it that i like um so because there are aspects i like i'm gonna let it survive at a d but i still don't really recommend anyone go watch this thing it's just eh, i don't know it's everything that you heard it was if you know about it if you've heard the infamous humanoids from the deep it's it it's that it, it's the monster rape movie <laughs> i i i'd have to agree with you on pretty much everything um you know like this is not um i don't think this is one people need to rush out and see if you haven't seen it save yourself the trouble if you really want to see monster effects you know suit monsters and some gore effects youtube it it's it's really not worth sitting through it it'll you can probably spend an hour and a half doing something else better. Um, the acting sucks. The story's pretty lame. The characters aren't really interesting. Maybe they could have been, but they're not. Uh, <laughs> the only thing this thing really has going for it that comes off successful is the effects uh, for its time. And they're again, they're not great. They're interesting at best. Um if, if I really want to have a horrifying tale close to this about, you know, creatures and, you know, breeding with humans and creating some kind of a hybrid, whatever, I'll just go back and reread Shadow over Innsmouth again because at least it's a better story. Um, yeah. and, it, and it treats this kind of thing for what it is. Even H.P. Lovecraft treated something for what it is, and that's horrific. Um, and didn't try to turn it into something amusing. So, again, I just like you, Eric, I can't let it completely die because the effects are tolerable, so I'm going to give it a D as well. That's the best I could do for it, even though it's and it's kind of sad. Like, it just there's there's stuff about this movie that, that worked for me, and honestly, in a, you know, possibly even in its original form, it could have been something that I liked a lot more, but 
No, I was just I would like to know if any of our listeners have any thoughts on Humanoids from the Deep, either the original or the remake, which, again, none of us have seen. Uh, but we'd love to hear your questions, comments, criticisms, and witticisms about that. You can please direct those to VideoJunkierPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at VideoJunkPod or find us on Facebook at the Video Junkier Podcast group or the Video Junkier Podcast main page. We'd love to uh, hear what you have to say along with any other suggestions. And coming up on the Video Junkier Podcast, next week we're going to look at another aquatic humanoid uh, horror film. And that is the, I believe, the 1981 film Screamers. So this would be the year following Humanoids from the Deep. Yeah, yeah. not one I've seen, but uh, looking forward to that. We're going to tie that in to uh, yeah, do a little <laughs> low-budget Gilman series here. <laughs> so. Yeah, at kind of the last minute, too. <laughs> yeah, very last minute. But, <laughs> but um, uh Otherwise, we hope that you tune in for that one, and we hope you've enjoyed the discussion on uh, Humanoids from the Deep here in the Video Junkier podcast. I would say go ahead and check the movie out on Tubi, but as we've already said, actually just Google the parts on YouTube. I think you'll be much happier. Yeah. Look uh, at the, look at, go look at the monster scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You want to see... Do you like fish sticks? Uh, do you want to see how bad this really is? Google it. If you want to see yeah. the best parts of it, Google those two. Well, we want to thank you once again for checking it out. Please feel free to uh, like us, share us, whatever you want to do to us, like a fish man. So, until <laughs> next time, this is the Video Junkier Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Miracle Branson. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with men now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels.